Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of this uh, fine little podcast, a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday, the 6th of October? I can't believe we're already here. I can't believe it's already near to the end of the first week of October. I can't believe that we're in October. I can't believe that we're even in the second half of 2022. The year has just flown by. Uh, I, I've been busy this week, as always. I, I took a quick flight on Monday to Austin, Texas, and presented at this week's uh, Confluent Current Show. Uh, you know, I love the richness of both Spring and Apache Kafka. I think they're uh, a match made in the clouds, right? Obviously, uh, Spring is uh, famous for meeting developers where they are. Uh, no matter what the use case, uh, we try to help. And uh, Kafka, same thing, is a multi-model um, sort of thing. Well, it's actually, it's got one model that just happens to work really well for a number of use cases, a number of modalities like big data, messaging, integration, uh, etc. So I just, I really loved it. I loved uh, talking about the uh, tiered support in Spring for Apache Kafka uh, through the Apache, the Spring for Apache Kafka project, and then in the Spring integration for this, with the Spring integration Kafka module, and in the Spring uh, Cloud Stream with the Spring Cloud Stream binder there, and then uh, uh, again, two in uh, Spring Cloud Stream for Apache Kafka Streams, which looks at the Spring Cloud Stream component model with Apache Kafka Streams, which is uh, a dynamic combination. I own, of course, I had a sprinkle of AOT and GraalVM in there as well, because, you know, you, you kind of have to. Um, so, yeah, I just really, really ex- exciting uh, opportunity for me. Thanks so much for having me, Confluent. The show was great. I was really glad to be there, even if I was speaking first day at 8 a.m., which is uh, officially too early, but um, but whatever, we got it done. I also got to see uh, my friends. Like I say, I got to uh, uh, connect with uh, my my teammates and friends, Whitney Lee and Chris Bono. They're both uh, they both live in Austin. I'm not sure if they're native there, and uh, they were nice enough to come out and hang out uh, for a lot of the 19 or or 20 or whatever hours it was that I that I spent there. Um, yeah, it's just great. Oh, speaking of friends, I also got to see my other friends in the Java community, right? Uh, uh, the legends of the Java community, like Victor Gamov and Gunnar Morling and uh, and so on. So that was great. I was just really happy to have those moments with those people. Um, you know, I've been hard at work as well on some new Spring Tips videos. By the way, thank you, everybody, for all the kind words and messages of, uh, of support. You know, uh, I've just been, it's just been one busy summer. So we'll get back uh, on that train and have new episodes on their way soon enough. Uh, so stay tuned, you kind and patient people, you. I appreciate it. Um, I also finally got a moment to take a look at the issues that have been plaguing some of my more recent podcast episodes, namely this unnecessary, uh, annoying pregnant pause that just kind of sits in the middle of a lot of my episodes right after the introduction and before the interview, which is a shame because the part that I would listen to if I only had one segment to listen to is the interview, not my nonsense uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, and, and so for some reason, there's been like, what, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes of like emptiness, which is frustrating to say the least. Uh, and I didn't understand where it was coming from. I think I may have a handle on it. I don't, I, I know what to look for. So we'll see with this episode today, if things go well or not. Um, it's, it's been weird chasing it down because there's actually quite a few moving parts in the, in, in the production of the, each individual podcast, podcast episode and my workflow, so far as I know hasn't changed so maybe the software some of the one of the tools i'm using uh namely adobe Audition, maybe that's changed in some uh meaningful but problematic way i just don't know so um hopefully this will be the first episode to go out with the correct 
uh, timings in place. Uh, I can't wait, if I'm honest, to stop recording, to hit the stop button uh, for this very intro and try it all out, honestly. <laughs> uh, but not before we talk about today's guest. Today's guest, of course, is, uh, you know, my friend Martin Danum, who uh, has been in the spring community. He's not just my friend. He's a, a member of uh, the spring community and he's a friend to the spring community. Uh, and he's been here for as long as anybody, right? For uh, a long, long time. And it's just great. You know, he's just one of those names I've known for, for more than a decade. And I've, uh, I'm just a big fan. Um, you know, he also had the unfortunate burden of having to maintain the um, A-Press Spring Recipes book that I was fortunate enough to maintain before him. Um, so that's kind of nice. We share some common uh, uh, efforts there. Um, you know, he's an old friend, and I've just missed our occasional chats at shows, and uh, you know, those those uh, happenstances, those meetings, uh, seem to have disappeared in the era of the pandemic. So this episode spoke to me, you know, personally because I was just I missed him, I missed talking to him, I missed my friend, uh, etc. Um, so I guess without further ado, I suppose at this point you want to hear the episode. I certainly want to hear the episode. Let's get right to it. Oh, I know. I, going visiting any website in Europe is. Oh, man. I appreciate what they're doing about it. I appreciate it. Okay, I appreciate that the pendulum has swung. It's yeah, kind of swinging in one direction, and I'd much prefer it to swing the way it swung, or swung, or whatever. Yeah, but it's it, it's terrible, actually. It's it, sometimes even when I visit the website again, I have to accept again. It's yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> there's. There's got to be a way to just taper it off a little bit or uh, make it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's so good, right? Fundamentally, I agree with the idea. So I'm, I, I. Yeah, the idea is good, but implementation is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a 0.9. I, you know, we're close, you know. Yeah. Uh, and actually that inspired, I don't know what the, I'm sure there are some material differences, but that inspired uh, California where I live. They, we have a Cali California has really good security laws, I think I'm told. Uh, and so, for example, things like uh, right to right to be deleted, you know, which you only saw in yep. Europe before. I think we have that here now, or something like it. I mean, okay. there's some weird, yeah, like stuff that I don't think would have happened, but for European the European Union showing people that it could be yeah. done, you know. Yeah, you have the request to know. You can request all your information that companies uh, have of you. So you can ask Google what yeah. do you have, and I want to. Yep. I want you to delete all of that. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's a good thing from a privacy yeah. concern. So yeah, just and just the fact that we're thinking about it, and, and again, it's it's so. You got to be careful. We don't want them to uh, take away like too much. You know, I, I think, for example, uh, uh, I don't know. There's. I'm sure we can all think of some third rail issue yeah. in technology that also intersects with politics, but uh, I. I I worry about those, obviously, uh, yeah. but, you know, anyway, anyway, um, that's neither here nor there, except to say that you are in the, you're in the Europe, you're in Europe, you're I'm in here Europe. in the Netherlands, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and, and who are you, so that I don't butcher it, just, yeah, I'll let you do <laughs> the best at this part introduction you have, um, Martin Dynam, and I live in the Netherlands, and I'm, uh, oh, I, I'm not sure what my business card says. I think it's a Java consultant. <laughs> um, so I'm doing development. Yeah, so it can be anything. It's the consultant answer. It depends on 
which project I'm doing. So sometimes I'm a developer, sometimes I'm an architect. Uh, right. Really, I'm a problem solver um, and help companies <laughs> help uh, develop their software in a better way. And um, I'm mainly yeah using uh, the Spring projects, uh, Spring portfolio projects for that. So yeah. Um, and I've been working with Spring since I think 2004, 2003. Yeah. That's when I read uh, Rod Johnson's book. Yeah. And uh, classic. Yeah, it's a classic. I still have it on a bookshelf, so it's still. Uh, <laughs> one of the few books I still have on my bookshelf so um, yeah so I read that and I thought hmm and it was actually in the time I was um, progressing for or, uh, yeah progressing for my son certified business component developer oh wow in, uh, in the times of HP 1.1 uh, and I thought there must be a better way so and that oh. came along when I read Rod Johnson's book and then I think every, like every every other developer in the time we Everyone had their own library of utilities to work with, JDBC, right. JMS, and, and yeah. preferred their own um, templating library over JSPs and everything, and, and yeah, trying to get out of the way of the application server and not use EGBs and message-driven beans and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Remember EGB Docklet and Next Docklet and yeah. the whole insane, those insane lengths. Uh, you see... I, it's, I find it interesting. The smart people, uh, or at least even the slightly more experienced people, uh, you know, I think you're a, a minute or two older than I am, and certainly many years wiser than I am. I was just entering industry when I was working with EJB1X. And so my, my, my sense of it was, maybe I'm just not smart enough. I actually started to doubt my own... Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been there too. Days, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been on that uh, point as well. I, I thought I have to write code. I have to write XML. I have to. Why am I doing all this? I just want to store something in a database and show it in the front end. And and why is it so complex? And then we had tools like XDocLet, and I actually wrote a a plugin for XDocLet for one of the companies. I, I, I assignments I did for a company. Right. So we actually wrote an extension to it to have some other code generated. So it, yeah. Yeah, it worked it a charm, like a, but it was a terrible yeah. solution. It was, it was still in a pain in, in the behind, basically. <laughs> and then you have to try to deploy it on WebSphere or uh, uh, WebLogic or, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that it, it was, it, it, there was definitely a toolkit that let you all do, do all this like with some ease, you know, but uh, yeah. You know, again, you could be a consultant making just a ton of money trying to pull together the bespoke solution that encompassed uh, a web framework. Because again, back then, Model 2 MVC frameworks were new, right? Like it was, yeah. like Struts was phenomenal, yeah. you know? It was, uh, yeah. An open source project. And then you have, uh, you had Ant. So the build system wasn't nearly to the spec it is today, you know? Uh, like it was a lot harder. And I, yeah, I looked no. at all that and I said, maybe I'm just not, I'm just not smart enough, you know, but smarter people looked at them and said, this is too hard. This is, you know, this is broken, right? Um, yeah. Like, so you and Rod, you saw that, whereas I thought it's me. I'm the problem. Like I was going to, I was, I was looking at .NET when spring came out. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, maybe I'll just be a .NET developer. That seems easier. I, I, yeah. I, I dabbled into .NET just yeah. for a couple of months, I think. Um, I think it was C ship. It was version one or. Yeah. one or something so it was in the early days um 
but it was better than HP. So that yeah. So it was, yeah, it looks yeah. it looks a lot better. They had uh, attributes, right? Managed attributes. Yeah. So before annotations in Java, they had attributes in .NET, and you could have these like remoting. That's what they called it. You know, uh, service remoting or whatever. Just an annotation here, and voila, you've got a binary service hooked yeah. hooked to a network port something. or something like that. It's like it looks it pretty sweet. I was yeah. And it was a lot easier. And then, yeah, luckily I read Rudd's book um, yeah. throughout my own utilities, um, yeah. my own library, and, and started using the code that he provided with the book. So it wasn't even a framework back then. It was just a collection of code from the book. Yep. Uh, which later turned into Spring, I think. The first version of Spring I, I actually used in production was 1.1 or something. So, yeah. Yeah. I still have that. I have the... Uh... I have the first two versions. I think the first version and the second one, both are A-Press. They're both A-Press books. Uh, John Matchek's and Rob Harrop's, uh, mm -hmm. is it Pro Spring or whatever? And then one of Pro the, Spring, I think. Yeah. I had a doggy, I have a dog-eared copy of that book for Spring 1.1, you know? I, I yeah. think I could be wrong. That's not, yeah. this, that's not to say that I'm plugging uh, a publisher that has treated us both well uh, here, but you know, it just so happens if you if people have a chance to, if they want to read a book. There's some good books on Spring uh, at at A Press, and you yeah. you're working on one of them. You you mentioned yeah. earlier that you fix problems, uh, and then you looked straight at me when you said that. Uh, Sorry, because uh, well, your name is still on the book, so yeah. that means you haven't fixed all the problems yet. You know, you got yeah. I'm working on it, working on it. Took me two editions, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> yeah, but I think well, the drawback of a book is when you write it, and as soon as it comes out, it's a bit, um, I shouldn't say this because that's probably bad for sales, but it's it's, it's kind of dated. Yeah. Um, and when you finish writing, it's probably then when you think, when you read back the book and when it comes out and you think, ah, oh, I should have done this or I should have written this and right. it could be better if we've done this or used this sample. So... But that's all in okay. hindsight. So, yeah. Well, consider yourself lucky because at least you're uh, writing a book about Java, and so yeah, this will become out, this will become dated in a few years. But you know, Spring Framework 5's useful lifespan was like 2017 to 2022. <laughs> that's five years. You know, Con uh, imagine if you're like a, a Rust or a JavaScript developer, that book would be irrelevant. Six before you finish writing it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I've, I've, I've actually. Try to keep up with the JavaScript frame and uh, JavaScript scene as well. Um, oh dear. I, yeah, well, there was a time I did some front end development as yeah. well. And we all tried yeah. it in college. Don't yeah, and, and well, college has been a long way <laughs> for me, but um, but but there was it, it felt like there was a new framework every three months or something, and and yeah, um, and even going from Angular JS to Angular was a pain. Um, yeah, we tried upgrading and. It, Actually, we I think we failed miserably twice, and the third time oh, wow. was a charm in this case. So uh, I liked so I, Angular. Yeah. I think I've talked about this on the show because it's I, I feel like a so I, I have you tried Vue Vue.js? Yeah, I, it's got that same Angular vibe. I really like it. Angular.js, the Angular, not the Angular two and three, but yeah, the, 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 the original one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Vue.js. Yeah, so they need each other. So and I like Vue.js because it's um, I think it's a bit simpler. Uh, yeah, it allows you to write HTML and sprinkle some bits through it. Yep. Um, I've also looked at uh, HTMX. I think 
you just call yeah. it. It's yeah, also, yeah. you basically write HTML and sprinkle some stuff in it and it does, um, if it can, it will uh, upgrade your uh, application to something newer. And I think that's... Um, Genius. Yeah, and I think that works great, especially, I think in a, in a lot of applications, we don't need a full-blown, uh, especially when you're in the Java world, you don't need a full-blown Angular or React or whatever front-end. Right. You, you, we generally just want to show some data, allow a user to yeah. take one or two buttons or put a check mark somewhere and submit it to the server. And we, yeah, you, you, of course you can do it with Angular or React, but generally it's an overkill for uh, yeah. for use case. And I, just want, uses, I just want clients that degrade, create, degrade yeah. well, which is, uh, why I know we talk about that a lot, but again, there's not that many use cases where, I mean, people aren't running links, you know, they're, they're like at this point, when people are, when there's degraded behavior, even the degraded behavior of the browser is very dynamic, you know, so you don't need yeah. all this JavaScript to, to simulate it. You've got date pickers and all that. Especially now with HTML5 and CSS3, um, HTML5, uh, I think there's some great stuff in there. Yeah. Well, um, the date very pickers so. aren't really unified, so if, yeah. you, if you introduce a lot of complexity to get a unified uh, few in different browsers like Safari and Chrome and Firefox. They, they, they all look slightly different, but um, I think we can do a lot of with the de just just the defaults. And I think absolutely. But yeah. I, I tend to, sometimes I just go to website and disable JavaScript, and, and, and a lot of websites just don't work anymore. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's always surprising to find the ones that do. You know, like yeah. Google, they really work yeah. hard at making their stuff work. One of the most, you know, they're dynamic. You know, they're they're the company that originated the most popular examples of Ajax, right? But they still yeah. work great without yeah. uh, topic of time. Or at least that was true a few years ago, you know? Um, yeah, I think it still does. I think it still works yeah. if you just it's disable surprising. everything and just go. I think you can even do on a command line if you go with links or something on a right. command line. Right. I think you, you could even use Google. Um, not sure if you could navigate the results, but I think it right. still works. So, yeah. It's crazy. Um, do you... So, do you remember Wicket uh, yeah. or Tapestry or, um, or have you used Vaadin? You know, there's a or Gwit. Remember GWT? Um, no, I've 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 we've I've actually done a project which used Wicket. Yeah. Um, now I have to dig deep. I think I also did a project that initially used Tapestry or it actually used three or four different few technologies in one app, which was a bit of a pain. So right. we eventually made a choice for one, but there was tapestry in the mix as well. So, yeah. The, there's a, there was this moment in time when in the Java space, it seemed like we were trying to ride the enthusiasm around ASP.NET MVC. No, not MVC, just ASP.NET, the, mm -hmm. the, the web forms thing, you know, this component oriented website. Yeah. You know, uh, and it was if you didn't like having to slog through 2000 era HTML and CSS and JavaScript, uh, then having a framework written in Java code give you something sensible was pretty appealing, you know. Uh, yeah. And so those frameworks were really interesting. And now I look at uh, <laughs> I look at Vue and I just like, oh, this We've yeah. gone full circle, you know. I've got the business logic now on the other side. Yeah. Uh, instead. Yeah, it's. I think it's waves we, we go through. So it's everything. Sometimes oh, we need to do everything on the front end. Like we have to yeah. render everything on the front end, and now we're. Uh, and we went back, and now we are somewhere in the middle. 
especially also with business logic. We oh yeah, we got server side rendering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so, "What's all this about?" We did that twenty years ago already. So what's this all? Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Full circle. So, so uh, we've, yeah, so we're going. Yeah, we. Yeah, well, we're we're good at running around in circles in IT, I think. So, in solving problems that have been solved before, which is a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. And soon it may all be for nothing because you know if you believe the uh, if you believe the hype and what's not to believe, things look like they're going in the right direction. Uh, then soon I'll be able to write my Visual Basic app, and thanks to WebAssembly, maybe run it in the browser or something, you know? Yep. That's uh, the, or something. I haven't, I haven't used it. I didn't look at it, but I yeah. haven't really used it because, well, I generally just write some screens with HTML and that's it. And that's, yeah. I think enough. Well, currently, I'm doing mostly back mostly backend. Yeah. Consuming from a, from a Kafka topic and put it in a Cassandra database. That's basically what, we, yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you and I are lucky. We get to spend. I, I've you work in the back end, actually. Is that fair to say? Uh, uh, yeah. Currently, before yeah. this, I had I actually was in a team that maintained a couple of applications. Some were back end, some were also front end facing. So that was in the oh yeah in the fintech. So that's uh, which was actually quite interesting. But uh, yeah, so I'm. I'm uh, I, I could say I'm full stack. I can wreak havoc on every level. Right. So that's basically, yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. It's a, what got you into, uh, to, let's go back a, bit, a little bit. I didn't yep. mean to get ahead. Yep. So you're an author on um, Spring Recipes. You're the lead, I guess, these days on, on that book. That's a, yep. dis, despite my contributions, it's actually a very good book. Uh, and then, go, and obviously you're uh, a, a Valuable member of the Spring community. I mm -hmm. I know you because I have put together this little roundup called this week in Spring for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, over the years, over the over the decades, I've I've had your blogs in there on countless yeah. occasions. You know, so um, what motive? Like, and then so going back a little bit further now, mm -hmm. what got you into Spring? What got you into the? Well, first of all, what got you into software? And then what, um, what was that journey to? To, well, to our fair community, software was my second love, actually. Uh, development, actually. Oh. So, yeah, my initially I wanted to study uh, history. That was oh, nice. my initial choice. Then I looked at what jobs I could get with uh, after studying history in the Netherlands. Yeah. And I wanted to become an archaeologist, but yeah, well, there wasn't many places to do that. So, there's maybe one or two jobs every year. So, then you would have to become a teacher. I thought, hmm. looked at the pay, and I thought, hmm, maybe that's not the best thing. So I actually went to uh, to do a computer uh, software development study, and that's what actually kicked it off. So it was my second love. So and actually, the first computer I owned was a Commodore C64. Oh, wow. Which I also programmed in BASIC and a little bit of assembly. Right. So and I grew up with that, and I actually liked uh, the puzzle or the problem solving. Um, and it helped people or businesses. So that's, I like to help people and businesses. So that's, yeah. So that's what's actually got me into software. Society. Yeah. Well, so did you get into, it sounds like they share a lot of the same skills, actually. I mean, certainly I would describe some substantial part of software as 
archaeology, right? It's yeah, well, unearth it's just... unearthing the meaning <clears throat> between between Sorry. the layers. Um, yeah, sometimes it feels like archaeology. I think there's also a book written uh, about software and being an archaeologist for software. I've been trying to de right. decipher how things got to be like how they are now. So that's is that Michael Feathers? I'm not sure if Michael Fenner's. I don't. It's, I don't. Who am I thinking of? Uh, okay, I, I know. I know. Who, I know. Who I think about. it's the book. Called, the book is called Software Archaeology. I think, but I'm not yeah. sure. But, yeah. Maybe it's not Michael Fenner's. Um, there's another one called Dealing with Old Code or something like that. Dealing with like, Legacy. Yeah. Dealing with Legacy, legacy codes. codes. Yeah, yeah that I one. think that's the um, yeah. Um, but, but anyway, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, you know Indiana Jones is an archaeologist, right? Like you mm -hmm. could have been. You know, that would have been a very cool career. You know, it's yeah. I can see why that was your first love. That's everybody's first love. <laughs> Every kid wants to be in the Indiana Jones. Jones. Yeah, and in the software world, there's no. Uh, well, I guess maybe maybe Rod. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, software equivalent of, uh, of Indiana Jones is, but I think well, we got a fun. we got a Rod Johnson bobblehead. So that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> those things are so cool. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, for people that don't know, uh, there was a bobblehead of Rod Johnson, who was the gentleman who wrote the original book proposing the use of technologies that would then become Spring. Spring, yeah. So, if you're if you've been in the community for um, for long enough, you'll you're, you might have one of those old bobblehead toys. I think they still have her on around on VMware, which is sometimes used on a. On a conference, right? I've seen it yeah. on conferences on the on the VMware stand. So. Yeah, it was on the stage. I brought one of them uh, into uh, the keynote. We, we did those streamed keynotes for Spring One. Was it last year or the year before? I forget. But I brought one into the uh, the table there as a prop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that was during the pandemic. Hey, are you coming to Spring One this year? It's it's in person. No uh, yeah, if you no can, pressure. you should I definitely come. Yeah. I'm, when is it? Uh, uh, Six to eight uh, December, I think, twenty twenty two, in San Francisco, which is my hometown. So you know, if that wasn't terrifying enough, uh, you should still come. San Francisco. There's something. Uh, I'm not sure. I've, I haven't looked at it on my agenda. So. Okay. Oh, well, I, I mean, to. to be fair, there's not. It's you know, there's not. There's probably not a lot of surprises for you, but but uh, it'll be fun to see you. You know, if you can. Yeah. I'll see. Oh. I'll, I'll check my. I'll check my calendar. See. Yeah. Okay. So going back, you wanted to help uh, society. So you said people and organizations, businesses. Uh, yeah, and and solve problems. Yeah, and that's what got me into software development. Um, and then I wanted to find a better way. That's why I keep reading books still to date. Some yeah. basically sometimes I do use the Dead Tree edition. Sometimes I read it on the e-reader, but. Right. I still need to read a lot of books. And that got me on the path of Spring because I was looking for a better way to, or an easier way to develop software coming from right. a, uh, let's say, classic Java EE or J2 EE, as it was called back then, uh, environment. Yeah. So um, so that's what got me into, into Spring. And you never looked back. And I the, actually, no, I never looked back. So, the um, end. Good night, everybody. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I actually, um, and, and when I started working on, on or with Spring, I actually noticed some um, well, shortcomings or I ran into some issues. 
with Spring. So I started contributing issues. That's that's how it started actually. Yeah. Um, or things that could improve. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a small list. There's a the nice thing about Spring is that if you get enough users using one framework, then every you know it gets it gets pulled and and yeah fortified and hardened by every user's requirements and input. You know, um, and yeah, so, and and I think they are um, sometimes the 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 ideas I had were. Uh, were approved and and and, and uh, Jurgen thought, hmm, okay, that's a good idea, or that's a small change we can make, and that was yeah. especially uh, in in the web stuff um, to make it uh, the old simple form controller a little uh, a little a little <laughs> better, make it a bit yep. a, a bit easier to use. Yeah. Um, so that's actually how I I started in the Spring community by providing issues and later also uh, uh, code changes, which went through subversion back then, I think. So I, I provided some patches and, and other things, and that's how it got started on the on the Spring community, basically. So I first provided yeah. some in code, and and later on the Spring forums. So I started answering questions for people because I had some knowledge, and um, I like to share my knowledge. I remember that. Yeah. So I, I think I was the top one on the on the forum. We actually did a meetup once with the, uh, I think the you top five or top six. Manuel on, Jordan. Uh, I actually never met him, but there was another oh. two or three other guys. One from one was from the UK and one was from Germany. And we actually met yeah. on the back then in the spring one in I think it was in Antwerp as well. As now they do the Yeah, the spring one tour experience or whatever. Something, yeah. So I think spring I must have yeah. Europe. So that's wow. that's yeah, how it got me into the community and because I like to well, help. What I said, I like to help people and educate people. I, I, I still, uh, I started on the Spring forums and later on became that that moved to Stack Overflow. So now I'm answering the not so occasional questions on Spring, Spring Boot, or Spring Batch, or Spring Security. Yeah. yeah. In addition to a full time job, and in addition to writing a book, and in addition um, to maintaining a family. Uh, maintaining a family and being, I also own a scuba diving company. So that's oh, wow. also something else. So, yeah, I'm also a scuba instructor. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, okay. Oh, wow. So that's, I didn't know that. So, why did you become a scuba diving instructor? Have you been oh. to Bali? No, it's still on my bucket list visits and to dive. Yeah. No, well, actually, yeah. I, I started diving in 2002. Yeah, well, I already oh, wow. swam, and I'm also a swimming instructor. Before that, so yeah. I like I like the the water. I yep. wanted to dive, and I actually fell in love with diving because well, the only thing you have to think of basically is your breathing. So it's kind right. of a meditative state when you're yeah. below there. <clears throat> it's weird to think about breathing, though. That would seem to be scary by itself. The fact that you have to think about it, well, you, uh, you don't would put me out of a zen state. Yeah, that's the first couple of times because you have to breathe through your mouth instead of your nose. So the first couple, right? You know, it's uh, it, it actually becomes automatic quite quick. But yeah, well, I, that's how I fell in love. And um, as I like to help people, I, I first started as an assistant somewhere around two thousand five. Yeah. Everything and all the I had all the certificates to be an assistant to an instructor. Um, wow. I actually did that for about ten years, uh, and then one of my friends 
became an instructor a year before. Um, yeah. I, I, and I wasn't really active anymore. And he, and he needed an assistant. So I thought, well, okay, I'll chip in. And I thought, okay, this was actually fun, helping people to learn to dive and experience the underwater worlds or how to improve their skills or their knowledge. I thought, hmm, well, maybe I should become an instructor as well. So that's, that's when I become an, became an instructor in 2015. Um, so wait, yeah. you got the you got the the certificates to become an assistant when back in two thousand four or five. was that after two thousand five? Yeah. And and so that was around the time you were also taking the Sun Certified Business Component Developer exam. Which no, one? that was that was before that actually. I think that the, the Sun Business Component was around two thousand two, two thousand three. I think. Okay, great. So which one gave you more pain, and which one? Give you better results. Um, I actually never finished some certified business components. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I, so I started with Spring because that was I, I was busy with the some certified business component. It was still right. from Sun back then, right? And I was looking at and and I had all that pain with oh, all writing the XML deployment descriptors and everything you have to write had to write. Yep. I had to learn those things by heart and and. Make decisions on when to use what, and I thought, but I don't want and to why? make those. I, I, and why? And I, but yeah. I was actually, but I don't want to make those decisions. I actually don't want to use it because it's. But it's insulting. Why? Yeah. So then I came across Rod. So I actually abandoned um, business component stuff. Yeah. So it, it, in hindsight, I think that was the most that that was the one that actually caused the most pain instead of becoming <laughs> an assistant or an instructor. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was pretty sure, but I just wanted to make sure. I think yeah. scuba diving would be a marvelous uh, consequence. You know, if I could put in some effort and then be united with the sea, you know, like in a peaceful way, that sounds like a dream. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm actually working on a presentation on how scuba diving makes you a better developer. So I'm looking for. Oh man, I, <laughs> there's some. I need to there, learn this. There are, there are some lessons in there which also apply to software development. I think so. Yeah. Can you share some? Um, well, one of the um, rules is you never go, basically you never should dive alone. So you always have a buddy or when you do technical diving, which is uh, deeper yeah. and, and, and longer, you have a team of, of three. So basically diving is a team effort. Um, and it that, that translates to that, pair programming and doing uh, refinements for your issues. Uh, yeah. You, you make a plan and you consider all... Uh, um, when you go technical diving, you make a plan and you consider all the contingencies you can have or can think of. Um, it's also something you do in software development when you try to, when you're writing a component or so what can go wrong? How can we make this yeah. better? Or how can we monitor stuff? Because well, underwater, you want to monitor your air. And you want to right. check how long you have been there and if you are in deco or have to have de decompression obligation. So you want to have some monitoring or metrics. Um, so what kind of... Yeah, that, that can translate to software as well because you want, well, you, there are some things can go wrong, but if things go wrong, you want to know about it and well, you want to have something to recover from it. So you, you think of contingencies. So, so those are just... That, that sounds like a really cool talk. So, I yeah. would, do, you, do you see the new Apple Watch announcement? Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the new Apple Watch Ultra is for, uh, yeah. fit for scuba diving, so you can use it as a diving computer. Is that, is that Apple just talking Apple or is that actually, did, did what they mentioned actually seem 
appealing. No, they, they actually provide uh, what they did. They made it um, waterproof. Feel, I think it's certified for 100 meters. Not sure what that's in feet. I think around 300. Yeah. Um, so they, they've they've made actually the watch able to be used as a dive computer. Now companies can write software to utilize that. So you could write your own software to make your Apple Watch a dive computer. I think there's currently one company that. Um, I know Garmin does a lot of this stuff. Garmin has uh, a uh, the Descent Two GK Two or something that's also um, being used a lot as a dive computer. So, so would you? You, I presume, you already have all the equipment you need, and therefore have no use for the Apple Watch. Yeah, but if you I didn't have, to, have yeah. the Apple Watch, if you didn't have any of that stuff, would the Apple Watch be a suitable entryway, entry point into diving? I think it's a suitable entry point um, for the kind of diving I'm doing. I'm also doing technical diving uh, for decompression. Um, I yeah. don't think it's uh, also there's no software for it for doing decompression diving, so I don't think it's a viable solution there. But I think it's a very viable solution for someone who has it who wants to get into diving um, to use it as a dive computer. That is so cool. Well, so what is the difference between the dive computer? Is it just measuring the depth of your descent, or what's that? What's the difference between that and decontamination? Uh, um, well, basically every dive computer does it does the same thing because well, we, uh, it applies the same uh, algorithms for uh, calculating uh, how long you can stay at a certain depth. So that's a, that's a basic. That's an algorithm. It's uh, it's out there. You can Google it. You could implement it yourself. Uh, it's. But what is what parameters feed into that formula? Uh, time, depth. That's it, actually. But it's uh, based on tables and and different. So it's quite a complex formula. Um, but what is it, the point of telling you? What does the formula give you? What insight? Uh, is it um, well, it, error? The, the end result is it. Um, it gives you how much time you can spend on a certain depth. So how deeper you, the deeper you go, the, uh, um, the shorter you can stay there. Why? Uh, because when we go diving and you're under pressure, uh, the nitrogen will go into your tissues. And the deeper you go, the faster the nitrogen and the more nitrogen goes into your tissues. And um, theoretically, you have 14 different tissue types more or less in your body. At least that's what the uh, algorithm is taking into account, but everyone is different. Yeah. Um, but it's, so it's a model, um, but it takes into account and it, it, it measures the load of nitrogen on the depth in a certain tissue. Uh, wow. That the is... more, so, and the more nitrogen there's in your tissues, the longer and uh, uh, the longer it takes to get up. Um, and there are certain ranges in which you could go to the surface directly um, on a safe speed and that's what's called recreational diving so you can go to 30 wow. meters for 20 minutes more or less okay without issues if you surpass those 20 minutes you have a deco decompression obligation or else you would run into decompression sickness so you could uh, get nitrogen bubbles into your bloodstream which, which could kill you which could uh, in the worst worst case would, could kill you yeah yikes so well, yeah, that one doesn't really translate to software development. So no, <laughs> no. Uh, but but a lot of the preparation stuff and then diving with the buddy team. That uh, there are some parallels with software development. So yeah, I mean, the prospect of dying in a watery 
nitrogen filled grave does make EJB Dockwood seem a little bit more appealing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know. didn't dive back then, so yeah. you did got me into diving. Maybe that's the. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I, I, I won't, I won't. Uh, you know, all things relative, right? Okay, yeah, great. Exactly. So, so little detour. I, that's so cool. I had no idea you were into all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I might. I mean, you, you've seen me. I, I'm not exactly uh, uh, athletic, but um, you know, I, my, my family and I, we love. Hawaii and we go there all the time and I think we've been talking about maybe diving and we just we should just try it um okay yeah one of my friends was on Hawaii in the beginning of this year and they actually dove there so yeah yeah it's beautiful there it's yeah we want to we want to dive we just it's just been there's always so many other things that are sure to be fun whereas we're not sure about scuba diving yet um it's fun yeah yeah sounds like it 20 years of uh devout interest in it, investment investment in it must be interesting. See, that's a as ringing an endorsement endorsement as I've ever ever been given. Uh okay. So 2015, you uh what was the 2015 milestone? Oh, that's when you became a that's when I became an instructor. Instructor uh, yeah. in diving. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then so back to back to the code then. Um yeah. 2008, I think. Apris yeah. reaches out to me to work on Gary's book, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and that and Gary, Gary Mack, is he mm -hmm. still, on the, still on the on the book? Uh, yeah, he's still on the book. Uh, cool. No, Gary isn't. No. Oh. Uh, well, the other one. There's the three still on the. I think Gary is off now. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the good stuff that I anything that was there when. I worked on it. The good stuff in that was his, right? Um, uh, he, you know, he's the reason for the season, right? He, 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 he's the one that set us all up for success. Yeah, for success, yeah, we're yeah, we're standing on on his shoulders, basically. For real, uh, truly, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he's such a lovely human being, um, and just so because he created this like bestseller, and then he just very happily handed it off to somebody else, and it's like, wow, that's you know. Uh, Anyway, that book was really important uh, to me. You know, it it it, uh, it helped uh, put me in a path that I I'm glad I'm on. You know, mm -hmm. and um, and of course, then uh, I think they thought better of letting somebody like me uh, <laughs> update that book. So then they brought uh, you and um, some others. Right? Yep. When was that? When did you take over that book and improve it? Oh, that was Spring Recipes. I actually did Pro Spring MVC before that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Even cool. Um, so they they actually had a, uh, I think it was called Expert Spring MVC. 101 or something. Oh, no. The, oh, yeah, wow. the Expert Spring MVC in Webflow. <laughs> uh, I have it on the bookshelf still. Um, I'm, I'm watching it. They had it and they wanted an up, and it was still written for Spring 1.2, I think. Yeah. And they wanted it updated for Spring 2.5. And they wanted a simple upgrade of the book. Yes. Um, and I think that was a back in. Upgrade. It's, yeah, yeah. And that's when they called, uh, Empress actually contacted me if I would be interested in updating uh, the book. And I thought, well, okay, it feels like an honor, so let's do it. Right. And when I, hmm? Sorry? Right, yeah. yeah. So it was, 
So it felt a little bit like an honor. So I started working on the book and I thought, well, this is not an upgrade. This is a total rewrite of the book because <laughs> there's so many things changed between spring 1.2 and right. 2.5 with all the annotations and the different, everything that was added. I thought we right. need to the rewrite the whole book. and all that. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't, the, it wasn't just an upgrade. It, it was just a total rewrite. So we went right. back. That we, we just can't do it as an upgrade. We need to rewrite the whole book because so many things have changed. Right. So, um, so, so we actually got to rewrite it. Uh, it was almost a year next to our day jobs and everything else to uh, rewrite that book to something yeah. that we found satisfactory. Uh, actually had help from a guy from Belgium. So that's, uh, he, he nails so he chipped in as well uh, he did a lot of, he did a lot of the webflow stuff there's, there's still webflow yeah. in there so pro spring mfc with webflow nice um, yeah which we actually last year we updated it and now it's called pro spring mfc with web flux so we actually now skipped the webflow stuff and moved to web flux so <laughs> right that's what we did last year um, and okay. after we've written that book they actually contacted me uh, to do an upgrade for uh, spring recipes for Spring five, I think. Right. So. Uh, wow. So we, had, so we have none. So there's a spring, uh, yeah, spring five recipes. It's called now, I think. Uh, I can't even good. imagine how many pages is it now because even when I left it, it was already more than a thousand pages. Yeah, uh, actually, um, when when I wrote it, it's actually more than a thousand pages. More than a thousand pages. Yeah, but it was too large, so it was uh, too big of a book. And we actually have to had to um, uh, yeah. eliminate some of the content. And what we actually <laughs> did was we uh, we actually critically looked at all the code listings and all the screenshots we had. So we made those a bit smaller. Uh, we removed the imports and everything, so that saved a couple of pages. Um, and actually, we had to move two chapters. We had to move to downloadable content to get to a certain page limit. Oh wow! There's, oh, that makes sense because it's so much easier now to distribute stuff. Yeah. So uh, we online. Actually, yeah. So we had. Uh, so it actually, the book has, I think, thirteen chapters, and two or three download downloadable chapters from the from right. the website. And I oh, think wow. the reason, and the reason is that it uh, for the for the page limit, and it has to do with printing on demand from Amazon. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. To a certain page level, you can do printing on demand, so you don't have to keep stock of the of the books, and else you have to make, have to keep stock of books. Well, keeping stock is expensive, so sure, yeah. I think I think we had a page limit of eight hundred fifty or eight hundred fifty six or something. Yeah, some some weird number that I thought, why is that number? But so it actually there's a so the, so we actually had to reduce some of the content. Yeah, we actually, cut down the screenshots and everything, so it saved a lot of pages already. Instead of full screens, only snippets of, of your right. screen and only the, <laughs> the the important parts and doing some re redirecting of the text. So we actually yeah. had to remove parts of the book. So, so but well, the, the spring six is I think is going to be a little thinner because of the removed support for some of the stuff. So we don't have to cover all that. So we removed all the remoting stuff, the RMI stuff uh, from the web yeah. chapter. Remove some things. Um, we now only cover Java config, so no more XML and Java config. So that also oh, comes down big, on the yeah. That make the book slim quick. Yeah, uh, so that's that's really uh, helping on saving uh, pages and trees and trees. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, 
by digital. It's yeah, yeah. Let's, let's save trees. Yeah. yeah, I'm all I'm all about that. Wow. So okay. So what are you excited? I mean, you just mentioned something very interesting that because it's spring, it's a new generation, right? Spring Framework Six changes yeah, it's, some yeah, things it, backwards it, incompatibly. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. I think it's interesting because it's a Java 17 baseline. So that's uh, that's the yeah. first thing. That's that's very interesting. They actually re, uh, um, remove some stuff, which I'm not sure if it's used much. But I think it's used. Uh, I actually used the HTTP invoker once or twice, so it's not yeah. used much. But uh, I loved that actually. I thought that was brilliant. It was like best of RMI and HTTP. It was yeah my favorite of the serialization mechanisms. And yeah. I, you know. I, I use it once or twice in the projects just to quickly expose something and, and, and work yep. with it. So it actually worked great, but um, I, I, I see the shortcomings and the security risks, vulnerabilities that are in there. So right. especially since yeah. well, the Java serialization has uh, some flaws if you don't uh, think of it. Oh. It has a lot. And, and that's not just uh, uh, Martin and me saying that. That's that's Brian Getz and you know Stuart Marks at Oracle on the Java team saying it as well, right? Java yeah. serialization is fundamentally broken and insecure uh, yeah. by design, you know. So yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the one problem is that. <laughs> yeah. So so I like the uh, how do you call it the upgrade or the modernization of of uh, Spring Six for Java 17 yeah. for the code base and uh, what it brings to the table for developers if you can use Java 17. Um, Are you able lot. to use Java 17? Um, well, I'm, I'm luckily I'm on Java 11, nice. um, and they are pondering an upgrade to Java 17. But it's a it's a fairly large company with a lot of projects and stuff running on Java in production. Yeah. So it's um, has to be done carefully. Um, sure. It's not a not a big bang. So, and the, the interesting part is I've actually had a discussion with um, some of my Java colleagues couple of weeks ago on what projects they were doing and what they are running into. And what I find interesting is that uh, most of them are on Java 11. And yeah. The exception is I'm still on Java 8. But they're all pondering Java 17 and, um, and, and how to move forward with that. So that's also quite interesting that they're, I think, we're on the verge of moving to Java 17 for a lot of yeah. uh, companies. Are, are your Java 8 teams Looking at going straight to seventeen, if they were to upgrade, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't go to yeah. eleven, surely. No, they won't. They wouldn't go to eleven. They would straight go to seventeen. So yeah, I see. They would skip eleven. So, is, so are the are the people stranded on eight more likely to attempt the move to seventeen, or or would the people on seventeen uh, on eleven eleven uh, be more likely because it's less less friction? Yeah, I think what I had for my team or my colleagues, direct colleagues, the, the ones from 11 will move first, I think, and then 8. I, uh, because okay. so they're, 8, to, eight they're to 11 driving. is already uh, quite a jump with all the stuff that got removed and, and yeah. uh, the modernization of the ecosystem. So there's, so I think they are treading lightly from 8 to 17. So they, I think they take a bit more time to, yeah. to do the move. Um, so if you're on 11, you already had a pain of the module system and, and, and some of the standard things like the XML libraries and yeah. uh, being removed from the, from the GDK itself. So you already... I, I, know it all, I know all that broke for, from Java's perspective, but as a Spring Boot user, I, I, I noticed it for like a week and then they fixed it. And then I just, it's never been a problem since. You know? No, no, no. You know? it's, 
dependency is just there and then well, you can you can use it so yeah uh which is nice so i i don't want people to be scared of 11 i'm not saying it's completely free pain-free friction-free uh migration obviously there's some questions about the garbage collector and whatever but you know sort those things out for yourself i i i just hope people will make the jump um, yeah I, well spring boot helps i think with the yeah. migration actually because it makes it easier you need it, it just includes the libraries that are missing or it, it makes it a lot easier to include the libraries that are missing from the gdk yeah. so it's uh yeah it's not that hard yeah Yeah, so the uh, the Java 17 baseline, I think, is kind of interesting. It's also yeah. the it's the useful version of GraalVM at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. GraalVM, uh, you know, it's easiest to get access to a Java 17 version yeah. at the moment, even though there's Java 19 out. Yeah. But yeah, Java we, 17 is just a great baseline to project code today. To start, yeah, and actually, I'm, I'm, for the book, I'm actually using Java 19, which is wow, final for, uh, for so a week. Nice. So I'm actually on Java yeah. 19. Yeah. Um, Actually, when I started, when I writing, when I write, wrote code for for the book, or writing code alongside the, the text, and now I'm working on Java 11 again. It feels like going back to the dark ages. So it's yeah, <laughs> and it's not even that far back because it's just nope. 11 and 19. It's just four years basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow, is that it? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a half, well, it's a release per half year. So I know. 19. It it's, yeah, but it feels like. It's a whole it's world. Total different, yeah. yeah. So, Java 17 like, compared to 11 is like Java 5 compared to 1, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But we went on a little detour. So, it's uh, Java 17, I think. And um, the improvements for um, uh, AOT, uh, in, basically, the, the lessons learned from Spring Native and getting yeah. into Spring Framework 6, uh, Spring Boot, and all the other portfolio projects. So, you uh, basically can create an optimized uh, jar or even a native image for your uh, environments. I think that's also going to Super be interesting. exciting. Yeah, especially with all the, well, I said in the introduction before we started this podcast, I yeah. think that's with, with all things running on Kubernetes and containers, I think having an optimized uh, artifact, I think is already a, uh, a benefit for users. Uh, right with yeah the, with I the mean, quicker starts and everything so and if you are into cloud functions i think the native stuff is also uh, a real win a real gain to start up your functions quicker even so right yeah the speed for functions and the memory footprint reduction for yeah, line of business typical web online apps yeah it's yeah. huge i i also i love the possibilities that are implied by having a native binary like you can actually compile your binary into a DLL or a .dilib or .so and link to it from like Rust or Go or C or something or mm -hmm. iOS code, which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, also, suddenly all these things like Kubernetes operators and uh, you know smaller desktop style apps and shells, all of that becomes something you could do naturally with Spring, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas before, yeah. maybe it wouldn't have been a great fit. No, no, you might, you might want to go to Go or Rust and, yeah. and, and do that. Uh, like they, I think they did also with back then with um, the initial Cloud Foundry stuff, which I think was written in Ruby, I think, yep. originally. Yep. Uh, and they moved it to Go, I think, or I'm not sure if it was Go or. It's Go, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Go. Uh, so it became also much faster and, and, and 
workable than the the, the Ruby library they had initially. So I don't know what it is with cloud vendors. I I, I love Python. Okay, I I would deploy. I I have personally and happily deployed Python code into production, uh, and I am its first and 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 one of its biggest fans. But it's terrible for client shell applications. Ditto Ruby, right? These are terrible choices for things I need to deploy into unmanaged environments, you know, where I have no control over the uh, the runtime and Windows and Mac and Linux and Solaris. Why? 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 So Amazon, Google Cloud, Azure, Cloud Foundry, uh, oh, oh, OpenStack. I mean, they all mm -hmm. shipped Ruby or Python client applications to use their cloud platforms. Which is the same as saying that you don't want people to use your cloud application, you know, like it, it because it won't work half the time. You know, you get a point release yeah. and it's, yeah, you know, it's wow, and it's slow. It was slow, too. yeah, yeah. And, and and look at the Python two K to Python three K. You know, it took like fifteen years for people to move from Python two X to three mm -hmm. X effectively. So you you can't even be you can't even write a client application using three X, even though it's fifteen years old, because you don't know if the client will have it. Uh, or if yeah. you have to distribute it, in which case you might as well just write something more efficient. Oh man, I, yeah. I don't get that whole. Yeah. Same for Java, obviously. If you, you, you have to ship a JRE plus a jar, it's yeah. probably not guaranteed to work. But now, a native application. Exactly. Yeah, native, or and you could even you could even create an optimized. Um, if you, Something like if you use the Java module system, you could simply all start using uh, JLink to create an optimized. Yeah. So you could already get an optimized or uh, fit for your purpose uh, JRA, basically. So. Right. So what do you think of this? Uh, so how? What's the? Have you looked at some of the three Spring Boot three stuff uh, and its impact on your uh, Javax JAVAX dot asterisk packages like the Jakarta the Javax to Jakarta stuff? Has that impacted you? Um, well, I actually changed, I updated the code for, for the book for Spring Boot 2 to Spring Boot 3 recipes. Yeah. Um, and it actually started, it's, it's been a while, but it's and just changed the namespaces, uh, upgraded the Spring Boot version and it's, You're happy. Work, and, and yeah. it was happy. So, um, well, it's sample code, so it's nothing fancy, but I think it's. No, no. Um, but I think if you if you have that in a real life situation, in a real world situation, I think it, it I think eighty or ninety percent case will work. Um, yeah. Maybe some minor tweaks um, uh, need to be done to get it working at one hundred percent. And I think those are mainly due to uh, the inclusion of libraries with new, like the upgrade to Hibernate six. And there are some mm -hmm. changes in there which could be breaking. Um, that that will be painful, but. Um, uh, that it was yeah exactly but it, all the samples i had they just worked basically after changing the namespace and then running and recompiling and uh, recompiling and running and it, and it worked <laughs> so it was that's heartening basically a, a breeze yeah well, that's good ah spring a lovely spring breeze yeah. uh, okay well i we just started we could i could keep going but i know you've got to run and uh i want to Make sure we ask the usual questions uh, before I let you go. First of all, and by the way, just <laughs> we we do have to talk. We, we could do a whole other episode just on scuba yeah. diving. 
um, and and architecture and all this other cool and stuff. Spring but, and everything. Yeah. And oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Spring is like yeah. Uh, Java uh, development in general. Yeah, yeah uh, you and I could talk all day. And in fact, that's what I'm saying. If you come to Spring One, then we just might. But um, where are you on the internet? And if so, where where can people find you? Uh, I'm on the internet. Uh, I'm on Twitter. So uh, at uh, mdynam. I'm also on GitHub. Spell it. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, at and the M, the D, the E, the I, the N, the U, the M. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and the same for GitHub. I'm also on GitHub under the same uh, username. Right. And I'm on and my full name on Stack Overflow. So that's. Uh, you're what? Oh, your full name. Oh, yeah, Martin Dynam. So I'm. Uh, there is that my full name. Martin with an I or an E? An E. Yeah. Okay. R-T-E-N. Right. Um, and then uh, you are, what is it, the lead or uh, a major contributing author to what it, uh, Spring Recipes? Uh, yeah, I'm Web. currently the, the lead on Spring uh, Spring 6 Recipes and Spring Boot 3 Recipes. And nice. I co-authored with uh, I, Iliyama, I'm not going to pronounce her last name. I always do that wrong. Um, we both co-authored Pro uh, Spring MC with Webflux. Aha. And I mainly did the, the uh, classic part, and she did uh, most of the Webflux stuff or Webflux cool. and security stuff. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so those all sound like, well, I mean, I've read the, the Spring recipes. That's, that's a good one. But they're all good books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have a blog. Um, yeah, do you, where, where I, I do occasionally blog on my website, which is yep. uh, dynam.biz because everything else was uh, taken. <laughs> <laughs> I ended for .biz, so D-E-I-N-U-M dot B-I-Z. So okay. There's a blog awesome. on which I occasionally blog on things I see and encounter. And, uh, so, it's, yeah. it, it's a treasure trove. I mean, I... Yeah, I only you're one of the few cases where you probably don't need to give the URL out because if you blog it, it'll probably end up in this weekend spring, and then I'll give the URL out. You know, it's a, yeah, people will get there. Uh, yeah, I, you're you're amazing, man. I I appreciate you, you uh, uh, as part of the community, and I appreciate you taking the time tonight. I uh, no this morning for me it's morning for you it's well I think it's around two in the, two in the morning now. So one, yep, we made it. One, one oh, o'clock yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye. A beautiful podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the 
production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.